0: You're listening to The OddsCast, the original UFC betting podcast that's straight to the point. Hosted by
1: leading MMA odds maker Nick Kalikas and MMA journalist Brian Hemminger, they provide you the absolute best UFC betting info, picks, statistics, and analysis from the most respected authority in mixed martial arts betting. Oddsbreaker.com.
0: Don't place your wagers without us. Welcome to the OddsCast, presented by BetDSI. I'm Brian Hemminger, joined today by leading mixed martial arts oddsmaker Nick Kalikas to break down this Saturday's UFC on ESPN Plus 26 event, which takes place in Auckland, New Zealand. If you're unfamiliar with our format, Nick and I will break down the fight card from top to bottom, providing extensive analysis and a pick for each fight after doing our film study for the event. Looking back at our last event, Kyle Marley lost 8.25 units for UFC on ESPN Plus 25 after going 0-2 on his premium bets. Kyle's track record speaks for itself, however, and he'll be looking to bounce back with this event. He has his bets and fantasy MMA picks available now on MMAOddsBreaker.com. Back to the present, UFC on ESPN Plus 26 features a 12-fight card in total and will be aired exclusively on ESPN Plus this Saturday night. Let's dive right in. Now, kicking off the fight card is... A women's flyweight contest between Shayna Dobson, who is three and three, and Priscilla Koshera, who is eight and three. Now, Nick, where did this fight open and how has the public shifted things so far?
1: A couple quick shout outs before we get rolling here, of course, head over to betdsi.eu. That's our sponsored sports book. That's where I'll be quoting the updated lines from. So make sure you check them out. Much love for betdsi. Also, head over to com and check out our Premium Picks tab. As Brian just mentioned, Kyle Marley does have his Premium Picks and DraftKings analysis available right now, and it's definitely worth checking out. I know Kyle had a bump in the road last couple of weeks, but it happens. I mean, the betting game, is most of you guys that are listening know, it's it's not an easy one, but long-term, it's where it's at, and overall, his track record speaks for itself. So make sure you head over to BigMarley3, check out com on the Premium Picks tab, and buy his packages. He's due for a bounce-back win for sure. And getting right into the fight, I mean, this is another awesome fight to start off the cards because we should have fireworks in this ladies bout. I mean, Koshera, she opened minus 170, Dobson plus 140. And right now looking over at s we're seeing Dobson at minus 204, Koshera's at plus 168. So basically the line flipped. And, uh, you know, more action coming in Dobson's way, which was right. If you guys hopped on Dobson at the plus money, I totally get it. This is going to be, like I said, a fun fight, really, because both these ladies like to stand and bang. Both of these ladies bring it. Both of them have power. And both of them are still developing and a little bit raw. So it's going to be, I don't want to say a slop fest, but there's definitely going to be times where this fight probably gets wild. Um, I think more than likely it's going to stand up, stay up on the feet. Because Shara does have, I think, a overall better Makes more Schwartz game than Dobson, but I think Dobson's athleticism. Her size, her ability to probably keep this upright more times than not is going to win her the fight because I think she will land a little bit more frequently and more often on Cochera and utilize her striking advantage, which should be like a, a firefight. It should be close, but I still think Dobson wins this fight that way. So not one I'm confident in, especially at the line. I would not lay the chalk on Dobson at, at minus 200. I think people were kind of underestimating Cochera a little bit. But again, those of you guys that hopped on that plus money, I mean, it was a no-brainer for sure. She should be a slight favorite now. But again, am I willing to lay two to one? I don't think so. At this point, it's probably a pass for me. So my pick is Dobson.
0: And I'm going to go on Dobson as well. Uh Kishara's UFC debut, she got absolutely murked by Valentina Shevchenko. And it really hasn't gone anywhere better from there. I mean, she's faced lesser competition and she continues to lose decisions uh against uh, Molly McCann and uh, Luana Carolina. So, Uh, you know, Shayna Dobson, she's not the most talented fighter, uh, and not the most experienced, but she is, uh, pretty athletic and quick and has, uh, some decent power in her punches. And I just feel like, um, Kishara's not gonna be able to hang with her long term, especially, uh, coming in on short notice with a three fight losing streak. Her back's against the wall and that could give her a little extra motivation, but, I do not think uh she's going to be able to defeat Dobson. I just think Dobson's going to outpoint her on the feet, land the heavier shot, and potentially finish her along the way. So Dobson's going to be my pick. Now dropping down to the flyweight division. Now dropping down to the strawweight division, we have Loma Luke Lukbunmi, who is four and 4-1, taking on Angela Hill, who is 11 and 11-7. Now, Nick... What's the MMA odds maker's perspective on this one?
1: Hill open minus one eighty to come back on Luke Boomy at plus one forty. And right now, what we're seeing over at BetDSI is Hill minus one eighty five, Luke Boomy is plus one fifty three. So line margins have tightened up. Solid opening line. It's holding steady as we speak. And I think there will be some two way action for sure continuing to flow into this fight. Obviously, Luke Boomy is a very popular fighter that's just breaking into the UFC. A lot of people are starting to recognize her talent. I mean, she did have some hype before she entered the UFC and it's legit. I mean, she's looked outstanding. I know she edged out a split decision, competitive split decision, um, when in her first fight, but, I mean, you could definitely see the talent is there. If anything, she's a little bit small for the weight class, unfortunately. So that is something that bothers me a little bit. She should be fighting at 105. Obviously, UFC doesn't have that division, so she's fighting at 115. So she is going to be undersized in most cases in this spot as well. But as far as pure skill set goes, Luke Bumi is definitely the better mixed martial artist overall than Hill. I mean, Hill has made a lot of leaps and improvements throughout her career from the Ultimate Fighter show, especially. She's become a true mixed martial artist. I like it. She's putting in the work. She's fighting, I believe... Uh, this might be her sixth time in the last year or so I forget exactly what it is so she's taking this fight on short notice she's a true fighter and uh, she loves the game and obviously with her skill set I mean she's towards the top of the, the division all the time. I mean, she's right there. So this is a huge step up for Luke Boomy. She's going to be undersized a little bit, like I said. But I think overall, the skill level's there, and it's going to be a very competitive fight. So to me, I think Luke Boomy has the, the more diverse skill set. I think the striking on the feet is going to be close, despite he'll having a little bit of size and reach on her. I think Luke counter attack is going to be good. She throws um, her angles, and it's a little bit different, a different look than Hill's kind of used to at, at this point as well. So I think that that's why it's going to be competitive on the feet. They're both going to be having success on the ground. I, I do give the edge to look Boomy there as well, I, it, but it probably does stay upright because Hill does have some decent takedown defense overall. So I'm expecting a back and forth type of fight. I'm going to go out on a limb and pick the dog here straight out because, and I do think obviously there's some value around plus 170, plus 160 on this because another competitive women's fight that has split decision type of fight written all over it for me as well. So at that price, it's a dog or pass situation for sure. I expect it, again, to be competitive. I'm going to pick Luke Boomy, but it should be a very, very interesting fight. A ton of credit to Angela Hill
0: for stepping in on really short notice to take this fight after a really quick t- turnaround. Because, I mean, she just defeated uh, Hannah Seifers um, just last month, I believe. So uh, that being said, that was one of the best performances of Hill's entire career. She was... Uh, f- active on the feet, landing heavy strikes, she was great on the ground, landed brutal elbows, and, and got a second round TKO. So I don't really expect her to be, uh, depleted or anything by taking another quick turnaround fight. Uh, she hardly took any damage in that last fight. So, um I think she's gonna be in good shape here. Uh, Luke Boonby is a very talented fighter, but she's undersized. I mean, she should be fighting at... Adam weight, but the UFC doesn't have that division. It's basically an Invicta and in Japan and smaller promotions around the world. Uh, so for Luke Boonby to be successful against Hill, I think it's going to be a lot more difficult for her. I mean, she just barely won a split decision against uh, Albu, who is a very physically strong fighter, but is not nearly as technically sound on the feet as Hill is. So... Uh, unless Luke Boonme can put Hill on her back, which again, I think is going to be difficult because of Hill's size and strength. I think Luke Boonme is going to, uh, just suffer a little bit in terms of the size and speed and power, uh, against Hill. I mean, Luke Boonme might be able to hang with her speed-wise, but I just don't think that she'll be able to hang with her, uh, everywhere else. So. Uh, I think that Hill, even though she's taking this on really short notice, um it's a winnable fight. I think, uh, Hill gets the job done. I think, uh, she should be the favorite because she is the better fighter. I have her in my just fringe top, right in the edge of the top 15 in the UFC women's strawweight division and I think, uh, she gets the win here too. So Hill is gonna be my pick. Now, moving up to the flyweight division. We have Kai Kara France, who is 20 and 8, taking on Tyson Nam, who is 18 and 10. Now, Nick,
1: where did this fight open and how has the public shifted things so far? Kara France opened minus 350, the comeback on Nam at plus 275. Right now, what we're seeing over at DSI is currently France minus 270, the comeback plus 215 on Nam as well. So line marks have tightened up. People gobbled up that plus money, that plus 275, almost plus 300 on NAM early on, which again was a great way to go at that opening line because the value is there. This is going to be another competitive fight. I like France. Obviously, I think he definitely, at this point of their careers, I think he's the better fighter. He's going to be undersized a little bit here, and NAM is kind of underrated. I mean, you know, he had some success early on outside of his UFC career, getting some marquee wins, of course, but that said you know, he he's had some setbacks. I mean, I think that Nam is one of those fighters that's a little bit inconsistent. Now he's starting to get on a little bit of a roll. He's actually performed relatively well in the UFC. I know that Pettis fight was a loss for him, but at the same time, I think that he, he still showed that he could compete and hang with the highest level guys. And I think this is another step towards that direction. I mean, France has been on fire. I know he had a setback recently as well with the Moreno fight, um, but you know what, that's a, a case where Moreno is just underrated. So that was an all out, you know, awesome fight, and, and this is going to be another competitive fight. I think this is going to have a lot of similarities. These guys are going to go back and forth. Um, it's They're going to be pushing each other, and it's going to be close. So again, dogger pass situation, especially at the opening line, and still really at the current line. But for me, I still think that France is going to do enough. He's going to probably land a little bit more often. He's going to be a little bit faster. He's going to be a little bit of the more diverse striker overall, and I think I trust his chin a little bit more as well. And I, Again, I think that he he has a lot of good momentum going for him at this point, and I think his confidence level the gym, everything about him right now in this spot and the location just kind of adds up for him to kind of squeak by and, and get a competitive but deserving win so again the betting window i won't lay it though it's probably dogger chuck uh, a or pass situation um where the current line is still because again with the judging the state of judging and if it's going to be a competitive fight you don't want to be laying almost three to one if it probably hits the scorecards so this is going to be one of those crazy back-and-forth fights, could possibly hit the scorecards, so don't lay three to one. I, I would probably stay away from it because I do think France wins. So my pick is Cara France to get it done.
0: And I'm right with you on this one. Uh Cara France is, I think, the more technically sound striker compared to Nam, um, but Nam does make up for it with power. I mean, he has the ability to knock you out with his hands. He's knocked people out with head kicks. Uh He's definitely a dangerous striker. My problem with him is... He kind of tends to sit back and wait for that perfect counter-strike opportunity, and if it doesn't come, he just ends up losing a decision. Um, he has scored some quality victories at both Bantamweight and Flyweight throughout his career, but um, it does also feel like most of the time when he's brought into major promotions to face talented fighters, he just doesn't quite get uh, the job done. So I think uh, Tyson Nam here... He's going to have a puncher's chance or kicker's chance or however you want to say it because he hits really, really hard. And if he connects with something nasty, he could win by TKO. But if this goes to decision, and I do think it will, uh, I think France will just be the more active striker and will score more points over the course of the fight and win rounds. So the only way I see Nam winning rounds is if he drops France and can't finish him in two out of the three rounds or something. So Uh, I think this goes to decision and I favor France to win a decision. So France is my pick. Now moving up to the welterweight division, we have Callan Potter, who is 18 and 8, taking on Keenan Song, who is 15 and 5. Now Nick, what's the MMA odds makers perspective on this one?
1: Song open minus 285, the comeback on Potter plus 225. And right now what we're seeing is Song, minus 217 to come back on Potter, plus 177. Interesting fight. I mean, you know, again, Potter's one of those guys that isn't really going to get a ton of respect from the betters, from the diehard fans out there overall. Because he's just a, a, one of those kind of solid journeymen that's a well-rounded fighter, tough um, aggressive kind of grinding type of pace that he sets a lot of times, and again, he's got good experience, so you can't sleep on him. I mean, he's got underrated power a little bit, and again, that experience kind of carries a long way. And obviously, he's bouncing um, back off of a loss with a his first career UFC win, which was very important. Obviously, to get his confidence level back up, so he is at a good state right now mentally. And again, this guy's a grinder that's going to bring it, try to push the pace on Song, but. You know, Song is a different beast though, I think. I, I know that, again, Potter had a little bit of success in his last fight against uh, Patillo, but I think the Song is honestly a level ahead of Patillo at this point right now too. I think Song is a little bit more dangerous on the feet, even though again, Coconut Bombs has some power, I get that, and uh, Potter was able to survive that, but I still think Song's a little bit a different technically. Technically speaking, of a fighter, and I think Song's gonna do enough damage along the way. Potter's not gonna be able to grind him out. He's gonna eat too much punishment. So I do like Song here. I think again, if Potter can survive it and and make the scorecards, then it probably will get interesting and it might be a competitive fight. But I don't think it gets to that point. I think Song kind of snipes and picks him off. I think he is again the better striker. He's got a good enough takedown defense to keep this upright and make this, even if Potter tries to make this an ugly fight, I think he takes too much damage and Song probably gets him out of there. So my pick is Song to get it done. And again, at the betting line right now. Now where it's at as well, I probably would avoid it. But I, at the same time, I would, wouldn't blame you guys. If you're looking for a guy to throw in a parlay, maybe Song is that guy right now. Because again, as the line creeps down a little bit, the value starts to show a little bit more on Song. So again, if you're looking for a guy to throw in a parlay, maybe go that route. But don't go crazy on this card. So the pick for me is Song.
0: Uh
1: Song is probably
0: not quite as well-rounded as Potter, but he just hits way harder and Potter can get knocked out. Um, Potter did have a nice little performance there against Pitolo in his last fight, but, I mean, he got blitzed by Jalen Turner. He just could not handle the heat there. And uh Keenan Song hits hard. He started his UFC career off with a pair of impressive TKO victories against both Bobby Nash and Hector Aldana. Uh, looked great in both of those fights. Now, obviously, those guys weren't Super established UFC veterans or anything, but he had a nice bounce back performance in his last fight against Derek Krantz as well. So, you know, this is a guy that is dangerous, has a lot of power and a lot of trust in his ability. And while I do think that Potter is the superior grappler, I just don't think he can get this fight to the ground and keep it there before he gets clipped, especially being a a bit of an older fighter as well. So I'm going to side with Keenan Song. I think he doesn't just win, but I think he uh, picks up a knockout along the way. Now, sticking with the welterweight division, we have Jake Matthews, who's fifteen and four, taking on Emil Weber Meek, who is nine and four.
1: Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Matthews opened minus two forty, Meek plus one ninety, and right now the current line is minus two seventeen. Matthews to come back on Meek at plus one seventy seven. So, line marters have tightened up a little bit. More action coming in Meek's way. You know what? I I get it. I understand the early action. I mean, Matthews is kind of a head scratcher to me. Meek is as well. I mean, I kind of feel bad for Meek. I guess I'll start with him a little bit first. I mean, the UFC threw him immediately into the Wolves. I mean, he had that crazy fight with Jordan Mean in, in his debut. And then after that, though, they gave him Usman, which obviously is the current welterweight champion, and then Fabinski in his last fight, which is another grinder. So they've been getting this guy grinded out, basically. Now they're they're giving him Matthews, which has the capability of doing something similar as well. Now, I believe that Matthews is, out of the three we just talked about, I mean, Usman is Usman. He's a champion. He's getting better. We saw the performance he had against Covington. So he is a complete fighter at this point and dangerous everywhere, obviously. But I still think as far as a, a complete mixed martial artist, Matthews is probably one of the better people that Meek's going to face I mean, since his UFC debut because Matthews can hang with you on the feet. Obviously, he's got that wrestling and he's got some submissions going along with it. So he has the complete package and and you have to be careful in all areas with Matthews. But Meek's a strong guy. Again, he's been in there with some really good competition even before his UFC um, debut. He's kind of one of those you know, savvy vets that, again, is only getting better. He's strong. He does have a shot in the feet here. I think Matthews, he's a little bit chinny at times. We've seen that happen to him as well. And sometimes his fight IQ does let him down as well. And, and Meek's all heart. And again, he's got that raw power. Uh, he knows... What to be prepared for here? I mean, the last couple of fights, like I said, he's been getting grinded out, so he's been working that takedown defense for sure. So this is going to be an interesting fight. I'm leaning towards Matthews because he's clearly the better fighter. In my opinion, I mean, he has more ways to win this fight. I think he can win on the ground. He could win on the scorecards. I mean, possibly, obviously on the feet as well, even though Meek's a tough guy. But I think that, you know, Meek's, Meek's best past. to best path to victory is probably um, landing on that chin of Matthews, putting him out, rocking him, and maybe even stealing cards that way if it does hit the scorecard. So I think that's how he wins if he wins it. Um, so there's more ways for Matthews to win. I get it. I'm going to pick Matthews. But again, at the current state where it's at right now, around 2-1, to one, Meek is a tough guy. He needs to bounce back and get a win here. It kind of is keeping me off it. The line is where I mean, even though I'm leaning Matthews in this fight, I don't want to lay that kind of chalk either. Two to one, I think is a little bit too high, so I would probably avoid this fight as well. So my pick is Matthews to win, and what should be a pretty interesting fight here as well.
0: Yeah, and I think Matthews will win as well. He's the more well-rounded of the two fighters. He mixes things up better. Um, He came from a, a bit of a wrestling background, and he's added more striking to his game. And his striking has really come along. Obviously, Matthew's problem, as Nick mentioned, is, uh, he does not have a great chin. His durability has improved since moving up to welterweight. We really haven't seen him get hurt that bad in any fights at 175, 170 pounds, even though, you know, guys up there hit a little bit harder. Um, Matthew's biggest problem, honestly, is sometimes he just leaves his neck out there, uh, and, uh, gets caught like, uh, against James Vick when he was just diving headfirst into a guillotine choke. So, I think Matthews will be in decent shape here. Um, he's by far the better grappler compared to Meek. He's the better wrestler. Um, I think even he might be a little bit more of a technically sound boxer, but, uh, Meek makes up for that with his power because, uh, Matthews could definitely, uh, get himself in trouble there. But, uh, if as long as Matthews doesn't leave his neck out shooting for a takedown or get caught, I think Matthews can either Outwork Meek for a decision, grind him out for a decision, maybe even take him down for a TKO or submission along the way. I just really like all the paths to victory for Matthews, where in Meek's side, it really more relies on Matthews making a big mistake, which he has done before, but I trust him here, especially uh, this close to uh, his home country of Australia. So Matthews is going to be my pick. Now, dropping down to the lightweight division, we have Jalen Turner, who is eight and 8-5, taking on Josh Kulabau, who is 8-0. Oh. Now, Nick, what's the
1: MMA oddsmaker's
0: perspective on this one?
1: Turner opened minus 140 to come back at Koulibau, even money, and right now what we're seeing... Over at DSI is Turner minus 208, the comeback on Kulabau at plus 172. So line margins have tightened up a little bit. more actually coming in, obviously Turner's way. Koolbao, the undefeated prospect, a little bit of hype, a little bit of buzz coming into this fight. I mean, he's definitely an undefeated fighter that has a lot of potential. I do like what I see. I mean, he has that kind of ability on the feet to, to stand and make things uh, interesting because he does have some clean technique. He's got that killer instinct as well, has some power. So, I do like what I see there. He also mixes things up with the takedown ability. He's got good ground and pound, and he has good jujitsu skills. So this guy is definitely somebody to keep an eye out for. But the problem for me here with uh kulabao is that he is you know coming into this fight facing a much bigger opponent he's fought at 145 before kulabao has and i mean the turner's a big dude he's going to have some length he's going to have that explosiveness in him as well um that, that he has shown time and time again and he's not an easy guy to kind of deal with he's not an easy guy to take down and hold down either so on the feed, this is going to get interesting because if you look at Koubao, I mean, even though he has some really effective striking and he has the ability to put people down. And if anything, Turner has showed that he, you know, can get hit, clipped and knocked out. So, I mean, Koubao, you cannot count Kulabau out in that spot either, even on the feet, but Turner definitely has the advantage there. Again, a little bit more explosive. He's going to have that length and Kulabau is hittable. So I do think that the early action on Turner's probably justified. It's just, I think that you're dealing with a guy that's making his UFC debut here in Koulabao and, and there's still a little bit of an unknown factor. Like I, I think we could see some of these guys step up in their UFC debuts a lot of times. I know that we always talk about octagon jitters or whatnot, and people get nervous and at times they don't always perform at their best further UFC debuts but and then other times I mean if you're if you're looking at for example um, Tim Means in his uh, last weekend as well I mean that was kind of a bit of a surprise because I mean he fought Daniel Rodriguez a short notice uh, replacement fighter and it, it seemed on paper that Means was just head and shoulders above him not really that impressive I mean Rodriguez you could tell had some skill on film before that fight and, and looking at things but I didn't expect it to play out quite like that and why I'm saying that is that we could potentially see Kolobau stepping in here and, and putting on a, a better performance than I anticipate as well in this sort of spot. Because again, guys want to step up. They're getting that shot. So not always does the octagon jitters work against you. Sometimes it motivates you enough to to make that uh, highlight reel or, or make that outstanding uh, UFC debut. So that's what you got to look for in Kolobau. He is definitely the more well-rounded fighter of the two, and he's capable of winning this fight, no doubt. But for me, I still like the athleticism. I like the mental state right now for Turner as well. I think he has... The ability to, to do damage in this fight, the ability to hurt most people in this weight class as well. I mean, he definitely is a freak of nature with that frame, and, and he could do a lot of good things, and he's constantly going to be improving. So with all that said, I slightly lean towards Turner. I think the betting value has probably been sucked out at this point at around 2-1 to one or over 2-1. to one. I think if you were going to get on it, minus 140 was probably the way to go. So at this point, it's probably another pass for me, but I do think – I lean a little bit more towards Turner. So hopefully Kulabai almost proves me wrong and, and steps up here and gets a, I would be very happy to see him get a impressive UFC debut win because that, that means he's definitely game and he's going to show up here and, and bright things are ahead of him. So I wouldn't be surprised and I wouldn't be mad if I'm wrong here, but I'm going to pick Turner to win.
0: I've gotten burned quite a few times recently, uh, with UFC newcomers against, uh, relatively established UFC vets like, uh, K S. Williams against Murano as well. Um so it definitely has gone against us recently, but uh Kulabau, while he is talented, he is also jumping up a weight class. Uh, to take on somebody in Jalen Turner that's six foot three in the lightweight division. And Turner hits like a Mack truck. So, uh, Kulabao, while he is talented, he really hasn't faced that much of a level of competition. And I think he's really gonna struggle with Turner's size and power. So, uh, unless Kulabao can get inside and either potentially drag Turner to the ground and keep him there, or get inside and crack Turner, um, I think it's going to be Turner's fight to lose. Uh, Turner is beatable, but he's also very difficult to deal with unless you are extremely skilled. And while Kulibaut does seem to have some talent, uh, up a weight class on short notice. Uh, I give him a lot of credit for the confidence and the guts, but I think it's just going to be too much for him on such short notice. So I think uh Turner doesn't just win, I think he probably catches Kulabao along the way and knocks him out. So Turner's gonna be my pick. Now moving on to the main card in the featherweight division, we have Zubera Tohugov, who is eighteen four and one, taking on Kevin Aguilar, who is seventeen and two. Now Nick, where did this fight open
1: and how has the public shifted things so far? To Hugoff open minus 150 to comeback on Aguilar plus 120. Right now, what we're seeing is minus 112 to Hugoff, Aguilar minus 106. So line margins have tightened up. And there is two-way action this fight. A little bit more action coming in Aguilar's way, but to Hugoff is starting to see some action back as we're looking at the market here as well. Um this should be an interesting fight, close fight, obviously. Pick them for a reason. It is a pick'em type of fight. To Hugoff, man, he has all the potential, all the skill, a lot of hype coming into the UFC, of course, and he has a well-rounded game overall i mean the guy definitely has some good striking he's got some speed he's got a little bit of power he's got some wrestling he's got good takedown defense but he doesn't put it all together enough and i think he's honestly been a little bit overrated i mean a lot of these russian fighters come to ufc we expect so much from them, and they deliver most of the times um and Tukhugov was is one of those guys again high expectations throughout but uh, if you're looking at his fight every fight again he's fought decent competition throughout but I mean, he's just been a little bit more too competitive. I mean, a little bit too much, you know, competitiveness in every one of his fights for me. Um, he doesn't pull the trigger as often as he should. I think he's, his fight IQ at times isn't that great either. Now he's fighting Aguilar here in this spot where he's fighting a true vet that again, he was been waiting to get into his spot in the UFC. Then Aguilar finally, you know, gets his chance and he really lights things up. I mean, Aguilar is definitely an, a fantastic fighter. I know he's, he's coming off of setback to Ige in his last fight. That was a grueling fight. That was a tough fight, but it was a back and forth type of fight as well. Um, but he did take some damage in that fight. So I think that kind of dropped his stock a little bit, but man, Ige, is on a roll right now, an extreme roll. So I don't think that necessarily was a bad loss. And before that, if you look at Aguilar's um, resume and competition, the guy has definitely been on a roll himself. So there's a lot to like about Aguilar. I love his power. I love his demeanor. I love, again, his IQ. I love his toughness. He's got that takedown defense where you can't get him down and hold him down in most cases either. So uh, he's game. And I think he's going to probably end up winning this fight. So this, to me, Is a spot where, I mean, if it hits the scorecards, it'll probably fairly close, you know, because both these guys are definitely going to be having a back and forth type of striking battle as well. But I just think Aguilar hedges him out probably on the cards. And if there is going to be a finish here, I actually think Aguilar has the potential to maybe land that power shot along the way. if, If Tukhugov starts slowing down as the fight progresses, Aguilar still carries that power late with him as well. So more than likely does probably hit the scorecards obviously and it's a competitive uh, decision and I think Aguilar gets it but again I do like that power he carries and I wouldn't be surprised if we see something crazy um, go down in this fight with maybe a potential finish here as well so my pick is Aguilar and at a pick on price I, th- I think there is a little bit of value left on Aguilar you just can't go nuts because again more than likely hits the cards and judges are judges so the pick is Aguilar
0: and I agree uh, Aguilar is a guy with a, a lot of power and quality knockout victories before his UFC run in LFA against Damon Jackson and Atan Lee. And then, uh you know, he was lighting up people like Rick Glenn in the UFC had a, another quality win over Enrique Barzola. So this is definitely a guy that I think has a, a decent opportunity to have a good run in the UFC. He just ran into Ige while Ige was on his meteoric rise, who, he is now a top 15 fighter in my uh, rankings. So uh, this time around, uh, Tukhugov, like as Nick mentioned, is a guy that I just think is overrated. Um, he is extremely talented, but there's a difference between having talent and utilizing it. And it just doesn't feel like Tukhugov does enough in his fight. He doesn't push uh, the pace. There's not really much of a tempo there. He does throw hard and he mixes things up but it's just not enough activity. And unless he connects with something really nasty, then he usually ends up uh, skirting the line and having really close fights. And it happens time and time again. His last, I think, three fights are two split decisions and uh, and a draw. So there's just... Not that much I like about Tehugov, Even though he's crazy talented, he just doesn't fight to his potential. So I think uh, as long as Aguilar, even though he might not quite be as talented as Tehugov, as long as he's active and pushes a good tempo, I think he's going to outpoint Tehugov along the way. And he hits hard enough that, as Nick mentioned, he could win by knockout. Although I think that's pretty unlikely as uh, most Dagestani fighters are tough as as nails, so I think uh, Aguilar just outworks Tahugov over the course of three rounds and wins a uh, a close competitive decision. Now moving up to the lightweight division, we have Magomed Mustafayev who is fourteen and three, taking on Brad Riddell who is seven and one. Now, Nick, what's the
1: MMA odds makers'
0: perspective on this one?
1: Mustafayev opened minus 425, the comeback on Dell plus 325. And right now, what we're seeing over at BetDSI, minus 149 for Mustafayev and the comeback number Dell plus 124. So it went from plus 325 down to plus 124 crazy because Riddell shouldn't now obviously ever opened at plus 325. I mean, basically what you have here is a striker versus striker matchup. And I I guess that's a little bit unfair to say because Mustafayev is definitely um, one, again, a Russian fighter that has more than just his striking ability. I mean, he has the ability to take the fight to the floor as well, has good wrestling, has good takedown defense. So he's definitely the more well-rounded fighter of the two here, but Riddell overall has shown the ability, I think to stuff takedowns pretty decent. He's not going to be an easy guy to control and get to the ground. So, and likely, Scenario here is that it probably plays out on the feet back and forth and both these guys are outstanding strikers. They obviously have the ability to finish most, you know, competitors in their weight class, Mustafaevs. Man, that, that kick that he landed in the last fight, I mean, he just, he just destroyed Fiziov in his, you know, previous fight. So that tells you what kind of skill this guy has. I mean, he he could just light you up quickly. I mean, you don't know what angle his kicks or his punches, he's very unorthodox and he delivers with speed and accuracy that, I mean, he could definitely do some damage. Now, Rodill, on the other hand, I think he's a little bit more of the technician here. I think he's a little bit more of the, uh, overall, solid striker here. I mean, he's got that kickboxing experience. Obviously, he's coming from a good camp in City uh, kickboxing as well, but I think he's a little bit more technically sound overall. I mean, he might not have that crazy, unorthodox throwing at you, you know, skill set that Musta- Mustafayev has, but he's still, I think, is a little bit more defensively sound, and I think he's a little bit more, um, like I said, technically speaking, he can land the cleaner shots. Um, I think he is a little bit more accurate, and he's not as wild, so that should bode well for him in this spot here as well. So I think overall, again, it's a back and forth type of fight, but Riddle, Riddell, I should say, excuse me, is able to keep this fight upright, and if, if he does, I think he can actually start to take over, and especially in round two, round three. I think Mustafaev, he, he hasn't really been tested in deep waters all that much, especially obviously in the UFC, so I do see a tendency for him to start slowing down a little bit at times, and I think Riddell can pick up the pace in round two, round three. Even if, if round one gets a little rough and Mustafayev does edge it out, I think round two, starts to change complexion of this fight and by round three i think riddell could possibly get him out of there so my pick is riddell it's a still a dog or pass situation obviously everybody hopped and took a, most of that value away but this is a true pick-up type of fight so if you're getting any plus money at all on this fight you probably want to go that way so the pick for me is riddell and again a little bit of value left on him as well
0: yeah this is a battle between two really talented lightweights and both of them feature fighters that are uh with their styles that have had a lot of success recently in the UFC with, you know, Mustafaev ha- having that Dagestani background, just a wild man and uh, Riddell coming from city kickboxing, which has been one of the hottest gyms in the UFC in the past year. So it's extremely tough to pick against either side. But um, while Riddell, I think is the more composed striker. And if the, if the fight starts to slow down, I think that that actually would favor him, but I just don't know if Riddell can match Mustafaev's pace. I mean, he is such a crazy wild man and throws so many aggressive strikes, mixes things up with uh, really aggressive, powerful kicks and punches. Um, He's just so entertaining to watch fight. Um, I just, I have to side with him. He's just so dangerous with what he did to Proctor, with what he did to Pyotr Holman, um, with what he did to the other uh Abu uh, Bakar back in uh, the Sochi Star Cup, um, and then obviously Fiziev. Uh, you know this guy is uh, really, really dangerous, and I just don't know if Riddell can survive if he gets hit with something nasty. Um, if it goes to decision, which I just don't think it's going to, I would probably favor Riddell because uh, I do think Mustafaev would slow down a little bit before Riddell does. But I just think R- Mustafaev is just too unorthodox, uh, mixes things up too well. I just don't think Riddell going to be able to hang with it. But he has proved me wrong before. He has some quality wins not just his last fight, but he beat, you know, Keenan song before he even entered the UFC. So this guy is really talented and comes from a great gym. I wouldn't be surprised if I'm wrong here, but I am going to side with the Dagestani fighter and go with Mustafaev. Now moving all the way up to the heavyweight division, we have Marcos Rogério de Lima, who is 16, six and one taking on Ben Sassoli, who is seven and two. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has
1: the public shifted things so far? Delima opened minus 150, the comeback on Sasoli 120. Right now, what we're seeing over at BetTSI is Delima minus 149, the comeback on Sasoli 125. So linebackers tightened up. Not a lot of action coming in this fight. I don't blame people. I mean, I would stay away from this fight as well. I mean, this is two heavy hitters going out of here. I think Sassoli is basically the tougher, more durable fighter overall. He's had not the greatest luck uh thus far in his career, um, as of late especially. But that said... I still think he's durable. I, I think that he's a little bit underrated at times, and I think he's got the power to put De Lima out. Now, he's got to fight smart, though, to do so. Now, De Lima, on the other hand, I think he's always been a little bit overrated. Now, the guy definitely has threat on the feet. He's got a threat on the ground, of course, as well. He doesn't have bad wrestling. He's got good ground and pound. He's starting to, to go towards that a little bit more. He's got a little bit of submission game to go along with it as well. So he does have some skill. I just think I've never been sold on him. Defensively, he's flawed. He's a bit chinny as well at times. Even though he's he's been looking a little bit better recently, I just can't trust him. So this fight, I'm staying away from. Uh, DeLima is definitely the more capable fighter here. I think he's the more skilled fighter, but I wouldn't be surprised if Soli hits him, rocks him, and, and drops him along the way, even if Sasoli's losing this fight. So this is just a crazy fight for me. I want nothing to do with it, to be honest with you. I'm staying away from it. Um, hopefully it's a fun one. I would love to see it finish in this fight either way, and we might get one. So the pick for me is Lima because he is the more well-rounded fighter, but I'm staying away from this from a betting perspective.
0: And I feel the same way. Uh, Sasoli, you know, he's got a good sense of humor. I, there's this hilarious photo of him with a drawn-on six-pack weighing in. Um, but overall, he, he's just not that talented of a fighter. He's got some power and he's got a great chin. But other than that, um, I just feel like anybody with uh, a modicum of overall skill should be able to outwork him. And while uh, DeLima isn't the most reliable fighter, and he has let me down in the past, um, he's a guy that hits really hard, is uh, the better technical striker, and should be way better than uh, Sasoli on the ground. Um, so... I think, uh, if Dalima keeps this upright, he's playing with fire a little bit because Sasoli can clip him. Uh, but if Dalima drags us to the floor, I think it's only a matter of time until he either gets a submission or, uh, wins a decision with top position. Maybe a TKO on the canvas if Sasoli can't defend himself properly. But uh, I just think that Dalima is the more well-rounded fighter, so I trust him to get the job done a little bit more often than Sissoli would, but Sissoli can definitely win by knockout if he clips DeLima along the way. Now, dropping all the way down to the strawweight division, we have Carolina Kovalkiewicz, who is and 12-5, taking on Zhaunin Yan, who is 11-1. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one?
1: Yon open minus one eighty the comeback of Kavokevich plus one fifty. And right now what we're seeing over a bet DSI is Yan minus two seventy the comeback of Kavukevic plus two sixteen. So line margins have tightened up. All the early better's hopping in on that value under two to one, just over two to one. Now we're seeing it like I said, two and a half to one almost creeping up towards three to one. Wasn't sure how this line was going to go, to be honest with you. I mean, because Kavukavich obviously has a lot of you know, an established fan base, a a good track record. I know that she's kind of hit some rough spots overall, but still Jan is one of those fighters that I think other than the diehard fans, I mean, she might not be as well known. So again, interesting because when you, you factor in hype and popularity, sometimes where the line's going to go, I could see it kind of realistically dropping under two to one again, or, you know, creeping up to where it did. So interesting. That said, I think it's probably about right. I mean, if you want to look at momentum, I think Jan obviously has a lot of it right now. Kovacic, in my opinion, has kind of looked like a shell of herself. I mean, after after you get to the top at a certain point and you compete the best of your ability and you're so close to winning that title, uh, and it's kind of a letdown. And I mean, I think you kind of lose a little bit of something. You know, you lose that hunger, you lose that that edge that you have sometimes in training or to you know what to look forward to. And I think Kovalevich is kind of battling through that a little bit. So Jan is the hungry fighter. She's the one that's kind of on the rise right now, getting some quality wins. She's the one that should have success here um, overall, probably obviously picking uh, Kovalevich apart on the feet a little bit. But I'm not as sold as everybody else is in this fight because Kovalevich still has that ability in her I mean, to fight at a high level. And if if she shows back up and we see a little bit of a glimpse of what we've seen in the past from her, this is going to be a very competitive fight. Um, but I, I can't really bank on that. I can't trust that. Either can obviously the, the betters out there. That's why they came in on Jan at this point. So I do lean that way. I just, I mean, all the value has been extracted at this point. I would not lay almost close to three to one. So I'm going to pick Jan to win this fight and what should be a, a competitive, another competitive female, you know, fight that hits the scorecards. I mean, the judges are going to probably see a 29-28 type of decision for um for Jan. And I think that's probably the way it should play out. But again, not a confident one, especially when you're laying three to one. So I think Jan at this point should be the better fighter and she should get it done. So I would like to see her get this win and, and kind of continue to excel and move up the ladder a little bit as well and see what, what's next for her. So the pick is Jan and she probably should get it done.
0: Yeah. Jan's coming off uh, the best win of her career against Angela Hill. And she looked great in that fight. Um, really kind of almost coasted to a unanimous decision victory. Um, this time around uh, she's definitely taking on the most experienced veteran but of her career in Kovalkiewicz, but, uh, she is also fighting, uh, at the right time. Um, could be cause Kovalkiewicz is struggling a little bit. Yes, she's on a three fight losing streak, but if you look at who, uh, she's lost to, uh, I mean, in her MMA career has only lost to some of the best of the best. I mean, Joanna Young, Claudia Gadelia, Jessica Andrade, um, Michelle Watterson, Alexa Grasso. I mean, three of those are either champions or title challengers, and two of them have been consistent uh top contenders. Uh I'd say Grasso loss was her worst loss, most recent, because that's been the less the least established fighter that she's lost to. And um that uh, honestly was a little bit telling. It looks like, uh, Kavalkiewicz has lost a step. Uh, she's two fights away from having been knocked out pretty viciously against Jessica and And since then, you know, she got outstruck and, uh, lost decisions relatively one-sided to, to, to Watterson and Grasso. So, um, I definitely feel like while Kavalkiewicz is still a talented fighter, um, her style is not really going to be that effective in this fight. Uh, Jan is faster. I think Jan might be a little bit more technically sound. She mixes things up a little bit better. Uh, Kavokiewicz does still push a pretty high tempo and has good boxing, but I just think Jan gets in there and out. She gets hit less often. Uh, Jan has a better chin. Um, so I just think when it's all said and done, Jan is going to be scoring more points, and she's going to be convincing the judges to side with her. Um, Kavokavits has a little bit of power. She has, you know, she dropped a uh, young Jacek when she fought her for the title, but um, couldn't finish the job. So uh, I'm going to side with Jan here. I just think she's got all the momentum. And like I said, she's fighting uh, Kavokavits at the right time in her career. So uh, Jan is going to be my pick. Now moving on to the co-main event of the evening in the light heavyweight division, we have Jimmy Crute, who is ten and one, taking on Michael Oleksaichik, who is fourteen and three. Now, Nick, where did
1: this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Well, let's say check open minus one fifty the comeback and accrued at plus one twenty. Right now what we're seeing minus one thirty two, Ola Say check, the comeback and crude plus one ten. So marks have tightened up a little bit, two action coming in this fight. Man, this is an awesome fight really because it's a battle of, of what I think is are two legit prospects. I mean That's why I love seeing this at light heavyweight already because, I mean, one of these guys is definitely going to take a big step forward and the other is going to unfortunately have a setback here. And and both these guys kind of need to bounce back because they've had some – I don't want to say ugly losses. I mean the crew fight – Serkunov, he was looking good there for a minute. I mean, it's was kind of back and forth and then he ended up getting uh, caught in that Peruvian necktie. So Serkunov, that was just a slick submission. I don't think Ola Sejcik is going to uh, end up getting Krut in a Peruvian necktie. So I think he's safe there in that spot. But that said, I mean, overall Krut is one of those guys that's, I mean, he's, he's aggressive at times. He has effective stand up. I mean, he's boxing. I mean, some people can look at his uh, technique. Sometimes I think he's a little bit sloppy and maybe wild and he definitely needs to tighten things up. Defensively, he is hittable. That's what I don't like about Krut as well. Um, defensively, I mean, he just, all fighters get hit, right? There's nothing you can do. I mean, at this level especially, you're going to get clipped. And I know I say that from time to time, but I, I mean, if, he just takes a little bit too much damage. He marks up a little bit as well. And I guess Sejic, that is not a good spot to be in because Ola Sejic, I think, is basically a sniper. I mean, I think he has the cleaner technique. I think both these guys have enough power to put each other down, but I think overall, I like Ola Sejic striking. And again, defensively and offensively together, I think he's more of a complete uh, fighter. Now, the point here, though, is Crude, I think, would try to exploit the ground game because I think Kroot obviously has a better ground game than Ole Um And I think that he can try to get top position here, get some takedowns, and maybe exploit Ole on the ground. Ole is not easy to keep down, though. And again, I, I don't think... Kroot's going to be able to probably hold him there. But if crew gets busy on the ground, lands some ground and pound, maybe gets position and looks for a submission, that could be a possible way to win. But I think overall, this fight probably does stay up on the feet. And I think Ola Sacek is the better striker. And he edges this out. And I could see him obviously um, winning this fight by stoppage as well, because crew does, again, absorb a lot of punishment. Um, but again, it's another awesome fight because it should be competitive against two legit, light heavyweight prospects. I just, it comes down to me. I trust Ola Sacek defensively a little bit more. And I think he has, he has enough offense to get this fight done as well. So the pick is Ola Sacek, but it should be a good fight. And I'm looking forward to it because I want to see how this one plays out.
0: I think what really makes this compelling is this is a battle of two talented light heavyweights with a lot of power and potential who both ran into somebody that outgrappled them and submitted them in their last fight, which is relatively rare. Um, so both of these guys are uh, really good fighters. And I think uh, both can still be uh, potential uh, players in the light heavyweight division if they can get back on track. But as Nick said, I just think Oleg Sejcik is a little bit more well-rounded. I think Kroot actually is the better athlete of the two. I think he's going to be a little bit quicker. Um, he'll be able to dart in and out a little bit better. He might even have a, a better uh, shot with takedowns um, than Oleg Sejcik. But as long as Oleg Sejic can keep this fight upright and force crew into stand-up exchanges, I think Oleg Sejic will win those exchanges. And while both men are powerful, as Nick said, uh, Oleg Sejic is a little bit better defensively on the feet. I mean, he was able to withstand, uh, you know, a, a really good striking attack in his UFC debut from Colio uh, Roundtree and then win the next two rounds. So. Uh, I just think that uh, Oleg Sejic can withstand what Kroot is going to throw at him and then keep coming. And we've already seen Oleg Sejic, uh have enough power to get a quick finish. And he's shown that he has uh the conditioning to potentially play the long game. And I think that that's to his advantage here. So I'm going to side with Oleg Sajic as well. I think that he wins uh, a decision, if not potentially a TKO, if he uh really can start marking up Cruden. Maybe even a doctor stoppage if he cuts him. Now... Moving on to the main event of the evening in the lightweight division, we have Paul Felder, who is 17 and four, taking on Dan Hooker, who is 19 and eight. Now, Nick, what's the MMA odds makers perspective
1: on this one? This fight opened exactly a pick-em. Hooker minus 120, Felder minus 120. And right now what we're seeing over BTSI is minus 159 for Hooker. The comeback on Felder Currently plus 131. So line march have signed up. More action coming in Hooker's way. At a pick-em-fight, I think that probably is exactly pick-em-fight. That is the way to go. Hey, you guys have been listening to the show. You know I've been riding Hooker here now for a little while. Um, the improvement that he's made throughout his career, I mean, from his UFC debut to now, is, is remarkable. He's one of the... I think most improved fighters that I've seen, I mean, he's got himself to the point where he's an elite fighter now. And I couldn't say that at the beginning of his UFC career, he was just an okay fighter, barely kind of, you know, getting into the UFC, making it to the UFC. So, but he's put the work in, of course, with a great camp, great team behind him, mental game, everything is coming together for Hooker. He's never been better. and, And he deserves to be a slight favorite in this matchup here. But I think people are getting a little bit, Ahead of themselves with Felder. I think people are kind of disrespecting him a little bit too much here as well. Felder's a good fighter, man. I mean, he's always been a little bit underrated. Um, And I know that the rise of Hooker has been phenomenal recently, but Felder's been pretty steady. He's steady good. That's what I like about Felder. And mentally, um, he's always there as well. He, He has that good, smart fight IQ. Obviously, he's doing some commentating as well. You can see that come out in the commentating. He does a great job with that. But, I mean, that IQ that he has, I mean, he's smart. He knows how to game plan. he's got a good camp that's backing him as well. And this is probably going to be a striking affair. And if it is a striker versus striker contest, Felder can definitely hang with a lot of these strikers. I mean, he has a win over Barboza, which, I mean, if you, again, MMA math, you kind of have to throw out the window in most cases. But if you look at it a little bit closer, I mean, Felder, again, coming off a win over Barboza, fought him a couple times. Hooker was doing well against Barboza. But then, I mean, that fight IQ and, and just how it turned into a firefight, he was just getting hit too much and it didn't work out well for him obviously so I mean you can see again throw the MMA math out the window but I'm just telling you guys to respect Felder because I mean he could compete with the highest level fighters and, and Hooker is another one of those high level fighters and but this is mm-hmm. going to be a lot closer I think that people are anticipating back and forth so I think Hooker can edge him out it's interesting to see if these guys how they look in round four and round five because I would like to see both these guys in deep waters and see how fresh they still are around four and round five. I'm not quite sold on either one as far as complete conditioning goes. Now, both of them overall have decent cardio and, and I think they're capable obviously of going five, but this is definitely a test and I would love to see this be a five round war. And when we get to see just a great fight that goes the distance here, that would be awesome. Honestly, I think a lot of people would agree if it's a fun fight, Go all five, you know, so unless obviously you have the honor in this fight, then you're not going to agree so much. But I think he has that kind of potential, though. It could be a five round war and one of the best fights of the year as well. So I'm going to lean a little bit more towards Hooker because I do think that right now where he's at, it's hard to not get on his bandwagon. But from a betting perspective, unlike most people out there, I'm, I'm going to stay away from it Um and I'm not going to hop on that Hooker wagon in this fight. It's probably one that I'm going to sit back and avoid. Or if the line keeps on going crazy, I might actually have to put a little bit on uh, Felder if the line gets too ridiculous. But for me right now, I'm going to try to stay disciplined and probably stay away from it. I think Hooker edges it out slightly. And for the majority of the betters out there that are going Hooker's way, I mean, I think you might be a little concerned, especially as this fight progresses a little bit. I, I know you're going to be sweating this a little bit, so we'll see how it plays out. But my pick is Hooker, and I just hope it's an awesome fight.
0: And I'm gonna come in the other way. Um, as Nick mentioned, you know, Felder is a really savvy veteran, and I think what he has going for him here is he's tough as nails. I mean, he's moved up in weight and fought guys bigger and stronger than Hooker that hit just as hard, if not harder. And I don't know if I've ever even seen Paul Felder hurt in a fight, other than when he broke his arm against Mike Perry. Um, you know Felder's a guy that has tremendous uh striking uh, ability, very, very well-rounded, mixes things up with uh the feet, the hands. And I think really that's what he has going for him is he can push a good pace and he can mix things up. And as long as he avoids getting into just a pure boxing exchanges in the phone booth against somebody that hits so hard like Hooker, um, I think uh Felder's in a really good position. I did not expect Felder to hold his own so well with Barbosa in the rematch after I watched Barbosa outstrike him the, the first time. And uh, while I still think that fight was competitive and potentially could have gone either way, uh, the fact that Felder was so competitive with someone with such elite striking ability like Barbosa really impressed me. So uh, against Hooker, um, realistically, what Hooker has going for him the best is his power. I mean, he just takes people out. Since moving up to light lightweight, he has destroyed most of his opponents. That being said, in his last fight, he earned a decision against Al Iaquinta, a guy that is uh, a very talented striker and has held his own against some of the best in the world. So uh you do have to give uh, Hooker credit for being able to defeat somebody of that caliber by decision. So, I think this fight's going to be crazy competitive. Um if it goes to the ground, I actually favor Felder. Hooker does have some uh ability on the canvas, but uh Felder has really taken his ground game to the next level. I I feel like if it goes to the canvas, Felder will have the the better submission ability. I think Felder's wrestling is right there if not better than Hooker's. Um, and then in terms of conditioning, both guys have the ability to go three rounds fighting pretty hard. Um, It'll be interesting to see what happens if it goes to those championship rounds. I think Felder has more decision experience. His last uh, three fights have gone to decision. Hooker, on the other hand, has really only gone to decision a couple times. Um, Most It was his most recent fight, but I just feel like uh, Felder has a little bit better conditioning, so I think the longer this fight goes, the better it is for Felder. I think it'll be tough for Felder to get a finish because Hooker is so tough. I mean, he took the kitchen sink against Barboza before they finally stopped the fight. And, uh, I think, uh, with the accuracy of Felder as well, that that could be something, uh, Barboza was able to really exploit uh, Hooker a little bit to the body, and I think Felder might be able to do that too. Now, I don't think he'll be able to do it quite as hard as Barboza was doing it, but I think that Felder being just such a savvy veteran will be able to do that. So, I think if it goes to the ground, I favor Felder. I think on the feet it's going to be competitive, and Felder has the chin to eat some of Hooker's best shots, and uh, I think conditioning favors Felder. So, even though he's the, the big underdog here, um, I'm going to side with, uh, Paul Felder. I think he wins by decision. So that'll do it for our full event breakdown for UFC on ESPN plus 26. If we have a free play to give out, make sure to follow at MMA OB premium on Twitter, because that's where we'll post them first. We can also notify you of our free bets via email alert. If you prefer that method, just send an email to picks at MMA And we'll add you to our free bet mailing list. Special thanks to BetDSI. Good luck, everyone, and hopefully the betting gods are on your side this weekend.